Happy New Year. It is awesome to see all of you. Really wonderful. Thank you for being here. I, I cannot tell you how thrilled I am to worship in person today. Um, <clears throat> I, I shared with my staff and with my own family. I would rather, um, you know, come in uh, on a Sunday and, and worship, you know, with a few people than be at home with millions. You know, really, I am not kidding you. Um, I think this last shutdown was harder than the first. Um, so I'm, I'm just glad to be here. <clears throat> We're going to do a new sermon series called New Normal. And um, we'll be talking throughout the month um, on this new normal. And um, you have to admit that 2020 was interesting. I mean, it... Um, I, I I saw somebody post something about you know we we uh, we just you know made dinner using ingredients that were purchased in 2020 and so far everything's okay you know I mean we just feel like 2020 is just going to reach up it just it smacks you in the face and and I think people are like afraid that somehow it still has control over us. it ha- it does not okay. Um, but let's, let's just review a little bit of 2020, okay? I want you to think about this. <clears throat> it was in January, it was a year ago that COVID, the first case of COVID was diagnosed in the U.S. And, and juxtaposed, I love that word, um, juxtaposed to that, this, the past two weeks, our nurses in Marquette were receiving vaccination, their vaccines for covid so in, in less than a year from when we had the first case, we already had vaccines. That is, that, that is amazing. Um, we, we have experienced um, uh, our, our president uh, being impeached and acquitted, um, a very contentious political race and election. We forget about the fact that in uh, the early part of the year in Nashville, 25 people died from a tornado or a series of tornadoes um, in that city. Um, that that's that is you, it doesn't even rise to the the level of remembering it, you know, because because of what we've gone through. Um, George Floyd uh, murdered in Minneapolis uh, by a police officer there. Uh, the riots that ensued following that, um, that murder um, in Minneapolis alone, $500 million worth of damage was done as a result of those riots that, that took place. Do you remember the CHOP zone in Portland? Do you remember that? That, that area that was, that was cordoned off and this was a police-free zone. And, I mean, it was, it was, there's crazy stuff happening. Um, uh, in different places in the country, uh, could you imagine? Um, could you imagine um, if if here in Marquette, if we would experience an earthquake? That would. You think that would get on your radar? You, you know that North Carolina experienced an earthquake five point eight on the Richter scale. We don't even. We don't even remember it. We don't even think about it. Um, we, a Supreme Court justice passed away, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, 
Christmas Day. Christmas Day, a city block in the city of Nashville um, was destroyed from a bomb. What a year. And I've never seen a year before where people, whether in person or online, were like, you know, they, they wanted to treat 2020 like, um, I want to say something else and I'm not going to say it, but they, they want to say goodbye to it. Okay, they want to say so long, um, and they've given a lot of power to 2020. That that is not rightfully belong to 2020, but but they are ready. You know that it's gone. They're glad that it's gone. Um, 2021 is a gift from God, but no more and no less than 2020 was. But it is a gift from God. So the the phrase "new normal." What does it mean? And we hear it a lot. We've, we've heard people talk about it. <clears throat> um, a lot of people don't like the, the phrase new normal because it, it represents maybe the loss of freedoms or uh, um, you know things like that. Um, and they, they, they don't want us to think in terms of a new normal. Some people are promoting the idea of a new normal. Everybody's different in how they, they look at it. But in essence, it, it's referring to what life is like once we come out of this. Because things have changed. It's just the way it is. You know, it, it's the way it is. Um, imagine if you were a, a restaurant and you didn't have a drive through window the last eight months. I mean, I mean, you would you just, you, you know, you'd think, man, there's no way. You know, Phil, I, th- I think about your business, you know, um, with, uh, you know, exercise and health and, and, you know, the challenge that, that you've been through. Um, their life is going to be different and it's, it's going to be based on what will the circumstances be that we're faced with. That, that's what the new normal is. Okay, um, but let me ask a question because this is the question I say all that to get to is what if you could determine the new normal? You know, some of us would say, I just want it to go back. Okay, the problem is that it fully will not go back. There, there, there will be changes that will be permanent that we have no control over. But what if you could actually determine the new, your new normal. Would you be up for that? I would, I would hope you would say, well, why didn't you tell me that a year ago? Because that's where I would have wanted to, to have that information. If I could create my own new normal, I would say skip to 2021 or, you know, just something different. Um, Kristen Armstrong, she's an Olympic uh, gold medalist, uh, gold medalist athlete, and she said this, and I really like this. She said, times of transition are strenuous. Anybody agree with that? We've had some strenuous times. Um, they are an opportunity, get this, to purge, rethink priorities, and be intentional about new habits. We can make our new normal any way we want. Now, I, as believers, okay, we understand the sovereignty of God, but there is a certain amount of control that we have on our own new normal. We can decide, and I think that that's important for us to do that. So how is this possible? How can we make 
our new normal a reality in our lives? What, what do we need to go through? What steps do we need to take? To take? And today what I want to talk about is a new mindset. Scripture talks about being renewed in your mind. We, we need a mindset that is going to produce that new normal in our lives. Now, this is not a message on positivity, okay? I didn't study Tony Robbins um, to, to get ready for this message, but, but there is something that, that we need to hear after what we've experienced, okay, that is important. The first thing that I want to look at is a positive attitude, Okay? A positive attitude. We all know what it's like to be around people who are always negative. Not, not, and not just a little. I mean, they're really negative. You know, it doesn't matter. You could say, oh, look at that puppy. And they're going to say, uh, they probably got fleas. You know, I mean, it's, there's always whatever, whatever wonderful thing you see in life, they're going to see a rain cloud, you know, in it. Um, but the idea of, of what, you know, we say, well, what's an attitude? It's, it's a, a, a definite feeling or a thought or, or a decision, a settled way of thinking that results in action. That's what an attitude is. It's, it's, it's a feeling, it's a, it's a, it's a thought, it's a, a decision, um, but it, 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 it has to affect our actions. That's what an attitude ultimately is. Winston Churchill said this, attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. And that's extremely true. And it's true for every one of us that our attitude really makes a big difference. I'll illustrate, and forgive me, um, uh, I'm, I'm using this because of, of something I'm gonna say at the end of this illustration, but... Last Sunday, I, I love football, and I, um, last Sunday night, the game for my team, you guys know where I'm from, you know, I was born and raised a cheesehead, and so my team played last Sunday night, they played the Tennessee Titans, it was the dream game of snow falling at Lambeau Field. It was, it was awesome. I mean, it was beautiful. Um, it reminded me of a game that I watched, you know, when I was more of a kid that just sticks out in my mind and it's the snow that that I don't know why but it just is and so you had the number one and number two offensive teams in football playing each other and it was cold moderately cold but not severely cold okay um these teams were very similar they both have good records you know and and it seemed like everything was exactly the same but the score was very lopsided. The score was 40 to 14. And the question is, why? What made the difference? In fact, after the game, they interviewed Aaron Rodgers, and they asked him, What's the, what was the difference? What was the difference? And, and his answer really struck me. He said, you've got to tell yourself that you are less miserable than they are. Just let that sink in, okay? Now, I would say it probably a little different. I'd say you got to convince yourself, tell yourself you're having fun and they're not, okay? Now, when you watch the game, 
the team in green and gold, they were sliding in the snow like they were children at recess, okay? I, didn't, I don't remember the other team doing that at all. I, I think that one team embraced the circumstance and the other one just tried to suffer through it until they could get on a plane and go back down south and it wouldn't you know, be the same. You've got to embrace the circumstance. And you say, well, that's sports, you know, let, that's silly, let's talk about real life. In the 30s, there was a study, not a study, but um, an assignment that was made to a group of young nuns. And the, the assignment was they needed to write about, um, about their experiences. And they, they need, uh, you know, the experiences of being a nun and being in the ministry and and it was something for, for their own benefit, and it was not designed to really become well-known or anything. <clears throat> but 60 years later, the University of Kentucky was conducting a, a study, and th- these, these essays that these nuns wrote became part of the study that was done by the University of Kentucky. And what their study found is that people that express the the most and the highest level of positive um, emotion or attitude, there's really a difference as compared to those, not not who express negative emotions, but just less positive. So the difference between most positive and less positive, actually had a quantifiable effect. And, and the, the people that express the most positive um, attitude and emotion from their experiences, on the average, live 10 years longer than those who don't. Now that's, that's quantifiable. That a positive attitude, what we're really saying is, it actually causes longevity. It actually, it, it helps you live longer. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty huge um, impact. Um, William James, a psychologist, he said this, and, and this is, a, a, I think, a, a, good, um, a good quote. He said, the greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitude of mind. Attitude is a choice. It's a choice. And every one of us have that choice available to us right now. And it doesn't matter what you're experiencing, what you're going through, you have that choice, that same choice. And, and it, cho- this, this attitude, is, it's funny because it's easy or easier to be positive when things are going well, right? because they're going well. It's much more difficult when things are not going well, when, when we're struggling or we're up against something that's very difficult. So I'll ask you this question, have you ever failed at something just, I mean miserably, I mean you just, just a total flop. Have you ever done that before? It's hard to keep a good attitude 
when you're, you're failing, when you're struggling with something because failure negatively impacts our attitude. Okay, the same way being positive impacts our attitude. What if you could be positive even though you fail? You say, well, that's a tall order. Well, there's somebody that, that um, has affected your life and has affected my life. They're affecting your life right now. Um, they affected your life this morning. They affected, they'll affect your life all day. Even while you're sleeping tonight, they will affect your life. You've never met them, but they affect you. Thomas Edison. He, he, he had a, a, over a thousand inventions. I think the most impressive stat, well, maybe second most impressive, is that um, he was granted at least one patent every year for 65 consecutive years. Well, he created the incandescent light bulb. So right now, you're being affected by his invention, okay? And, and that invention, he, he tried 10,000 ways to do it before he landed on the right way to do it. So in other words, he failed 9,999 times. Most of us would have quit, okay? We'd like to say, God, I tried 100 times. I can even envision us saying that. I've tried 100 times. It was like four, okay? 10,000 times. He didn't look at those as failures. He looked at them as opportunities to discover what did not work. And he felt that he could use those failures to learn eventually what the right way was, that they would actually help him get to the answer, get to the conclusion. And so we learn from that that attitude really determines our actions. Without a positive attitude, I do not think that, that he would have succeeded. Someone else would have had to have succeeded. Um, Roy Bennett, who's an author, he said this. You are the master of your attitude. Man, that's heavy. You are the master of your attitude. If your attitude stinks, you got nobody else to blame but you. Whew, man, I got to remember, that's a good one right there. You cannot control what happens to you. We couldn't control 2020, could we? But you can control the way you think about all the events. You always have a choice. You can choose to face them with a positive attitude. <clears throat> so new normal, the new normal that we really desire, okay, starts with a positive attitude. And what does the Bible say about attitude? I want to look at two Two attitudes in particular um, that, that the Bible speaks extensively about. <clears throat> and I, I want to, to kind of unwrap those here in the next few minutes. The first one is the attitude of suffering. 
Um, Isaiah was speaking about Jesus in Isaiah 53.3 when he says that uh, Jesus was the Messiah. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Suffering was the identifying mark of the Messiah. Think about that. Most of us, we want to avoid pain, right? I don't know about anybody else, but it's kind of it's nice to avoid pain, you know? <clears throat> um, if we're parents, we really want our children to avoid any unnecessary suffering. In fact, we will put ourselves in more pain so that they don't have to. Shout me down if I'm wrong. Okay, that's what we do. That's just human nature. Um, I, I'll never forget, uh, it was the last week of second grade for Benjamin. Okay, so this is going back a couple years, because he old. <laughs> I got a call, and I honestly, I can't remember if it was from my wife. I think it was from the school, because my wife had the car. We had one car. She had the car. She was somewhere. This was, this was before cell phones. Bag phones were out. Okay, I didn't have one. Um, boy, this is getting older by the second. And I get a call that Benjamin had broken his arm on the playground. I didn't have, that's what I said, honey. I didn't have, I didn't have the car. I had to take the church van to the school, and I got there, and I walked in that room, and I was, I was physically impacted by what I saw. <clears throat> His arm was in the shape of an S. It was an offset break, okay? Um, and what really blows my mind is they said that one of the options at the hospital was, you can just leave it like that. <laughs> God, no, <laughs> we're not leaving it. <laughs> And so I couldn't believe they hadn't called the ambulance, just to really be honest with you. So I had to take my precious child, okay? He was like my toy. He was Literally, he was like my favorite toy, okay? We played together all the time. I mean, all the time. We played ball constantly, okay? And, and I had to take him and, and get him in the van and take him to the hospital. I can still remember the feeling. I tease, I tease certain people that I work with because if someone gets hurt and they're close by it, they have a physical reaction. Okay, I tease. I had a deep physical reaction. I was so, I didn't say this in the first service, but I'll say it now. I, I was, my wife's at the hospital with me um, and I was so distraught. I called my parents and I said, can you come? It was 70 miles. I said, could you come? I said, I, I really need you guys here. For me, not for him, for me. <laughs> Nothing's wrong with me, okay? We don't want our kids to experience pain and my kid was suffering and I couldn't do anything. In fact, I couldn't even hurry the doctors up. I'm like, what is taking so long? Well, he had lunch, and we don't want to operate while he's still got lunch in his stomach. I kid you not. I was flipping out. Yeah. 
okay? I'm like, can we please, can we, can we, this kid is suffering, you know? It was terrible. Did you realize that with, with, without pain, our children would be devastated in their development? Devastated. Because if our kids don't know pain, they will not comprehend a hot stove. And, and they'll, they'll experience incredibly bad things if they, if they can't comprehend pain. Without pain, they, they won't have uh, the opportunity to deal with challenges. Without understanding and experience with pain as they grow up, they won't, they won't know how to deal with challenges. Okay, Because it takes pain to overcome challenges. The hardships that are produced in our lives, okay, they develop a strength of character in our lives. And that, that comes from pain and hardship. So what was Jesus' view about suffering? Because that's really important to us. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he went to the garden to pray and it's, it's recorded in um, it's recorded in Luke chapter 22 verse 42 and, and he's, ha- he's having this conversation with God and he says, God, I don't want to die. Th- just think of that. I don't want to die. But Father, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus doesn't want to suffer. But he said, I'll submit to it. And, and do, not, do not forget this, okay? Remember when, when Jesus was tempted by the devil and the devil said, hey, you know, the Bible says that, that God will give, you know, that literally his angels will bear you up so you don't dash your foot against the ground. Jesus could have said, I'm done, I'm out. And all of heaven would have come to rescue him. And, and yet that's not what he did. He said, I will go through it. I will suffer because it's your will, Father. So the crucifixion, we read about the crucifixion. It's incredible brutality. We've, I, I've preached Easter messages on, on the physical nature of the cross and everything that happens. The, the Romans made... Uh, uh, they perfected torture. Their, their goal wasn't to kill you in, with torture. Their goal was to keep you alive as long as possible in the midst of torture. They wanted you to suffer as bad as you could humanly suffer and not die in the process until, you know, it, it was common to go four days. Um, but there's records of people going six days hanging on the cross. Um. So what should our attitude be? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Peter says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. We need to have the same attitude as Jesus did about suffering. James articulates it. This is Jesus' brother now. He said, Brothers, consider it pure joy when you suffer. That's, that's unbelievable. We're supposed to consider it pure joy. Why? Because suffering produces growth. Think about that. Suffering produces growth. 
Do you know Paul boasted and bragged about his suffering? Not, not it wasn't because, oh, I, I, I withstood this. He bragged about it because it was all done um, in the name of Jesus. It was, it was done because of the gospel. But that, that suffering produced a, a growth in his life that, that I, 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 don't, I think without that we couldn't get there in our own lives. So it produces, uh, but how do we respond? It produces growth, but how do we respond to it? The bottom line is we have a choice when we suffer. And everyone here, suffering is different for everyone here. Some of us might look at our lives and say, I've suffered a lot in my life. And some may say, I haven't really suffered much of anything. But either way, the choice is ours, how we will respond to suffering. The second type of attitude um, is an attitude of serving that I want us to look at really briefly here. Serving is, is doing things for the benefit of others. And the natural response for humans, and I... I'm, I'm going to take all 10 fingers and point them at myself and include myself. The, the, the human response, our natural human response, is to do things for us or want to do things for us rather than for other people. That is just how it is. Um, when we have the attitude of serving others, we, we can really begin to create a new normal in our lives and in the lives of others that are around us. And, and Jesus had this attitude of serving. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. Paul says this, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, Jesus... Jesus did more than just um, take on the, the nature or the appearance of a servant. He literally, uh, it was the very reason that he came. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So if Jesus' attitude Okay, and what we do in our society is we think, okay, when I become great, people will serve me. Jesus' attitude was exactly the opposite of that. He said, greatness, real greatness is, is when um, you, you learn you to serve. No, I didn't say anything. My, my, my iPad is talking to me. Sorry about that. I apologize. Um, that, that Jesus, um, it was exactly the opposite. He, he believed that greatness was achieved through serving. And so, and so our attitude needs to reflect Jesus. Romans, Paul says in Romans uh, 15, 5, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ has had. So the Bible talks about, when we look at the idea of serving, the Bible says a lot of things. I mean a lot of things. Just listen to a couple of these. I, I just want to read them to you. Um, the Bible says help people. You think, well, that's silly. No, it, it, it just says flat out, just help people. You know, um, here, one of the... One of the <laughs> 
we're entering into a great season of the year. Um, I keep, I keep um, in, in my truck, which uh, Isaac drives right now, but I keep um, tow ropes in my vehicle and chains and all sorts of stuff because it is so much fun to pull people out of the ditch. You know what I mean? <laughs> Help people. <laughs> uh, we live in a great place for that. Bring blessing to others. Achieve greatness by serving others. Honor others above yourself. Share with others in need. Practice hospitality. Do good to everyone. Support the weak. Man, that, that goes against, you know, we're like, ah, they need to learn to do that for themselves. This would be a really good life lesson. No? Yes? I, I, think, I think we think that. I think we do. Um, serve others as if you're serving the Lord. In other words, don't do it for them. Do it for Jesus. Um, feed the hungry. Man, that's what we're doing uh, through Feeding America. We're serving the hungry. I, I mentioned this uh, a week or two ago, um, but last, the last one we did, we had 350 families that we served and we turned people away at the end of the event. You know, um, So feed the hungry. Help those who are in trouble. Serve one another humbly in love. Look to the interests of others before your own. The attitude of serving is an attitude that we choose to make. Jesus was a servant. He, he, he came to serve. It's why he came. And our attitude should be the same as Jesus. So choosing to serve others will establish a new normal for us in 2021. I know we want 2020 to be gone. I do. So let's create a new normal. Recently, some graffiti in the city of Hong Kong was seen, and it said we can't return to normal because the normal we had was precisely the problem. Now, if we think of ourselves, we might be able to look at ourselves and say, you know, I was the, pro I was the problem. My attitude was the problem. It wasn't my circumstance that was the problem. It was my attitude toward the circumstance or in the midst of the circumstance that was, my prob that was the problem. And as we look at this new year unfolding in front of us, we have a choice on what we want our attitudes to be like. And, and that, that new mindset, that attitude, I, you know, and, uh, I just I love using the word attitude you know, my message title is New Mindset. Um, but that new mindset, that attitude can make all the difference in the new normal that we see develop in this new year. And as we close our service, I want to remind you that, that you have the ability to make that choice, make that decision. And as we close in prayer, I just, I want to pray for us because I think that many, and I mean a lot of people are struggling with their attitudes. I really do. I, I, know, I know I have. I've struggled with my attitude uh, in 2020. And um, 
um, you know, I think God, my, the temperament that God blessed me with is a, is a glass half full temperament. But even that temperament can, can um, choose to not have a positive attitude. And, and, and it's been easy in 2020. It's, you blame, blame, I mean, man, it's just, 2020's got the bad rap for everything, you know. Well, honestly, it wasn't 2020's fault. It's just when it happened. So as I close in prayer, I just want to pray for you, pray over you. And as you close your eyes and just shut yourself in with God for a moment, if you, you know, just acknowledge the way I'm, I'm acknowledging as well, you know, God, I need help. I need, I need help with my attitude, I, you know, and I realize I have a choice. And, and too often in the last year, I've made the wrong choice. And I want to make the right choice with that attitude. And I want to be able to serve like Jesus served. And if suffering comes my way, I want to, I want to, I want to go through it the way Jesus went through it. And I want, I want to maintain a positive outlook, a positive attitude. And I need help to do that. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and We'll just pray together here. Just go ahead. Keep it up. Just, just, just in this moment. Father, I, I just I pray for these with lifted hands. And God, I pray that, that heaven will come to their aid. And that you will bring about a transformation of our attitude and, and, and that you will remind us that we have a choice. And we, we want to declare that we choose a positive attitude, that we choose uh, to, to serve with a, a, a good attitude, that we choose even, even when we're called upon to suffer, that we're going to do it with a positive attitude. Father, I pray for strength. I pray for wisdom. Uh, and, and James, after he talks about, about um, the growth that comes from, from suffering, he said if we lack wisdom, we should ask God who gives uh, generously to all. Father, we ask for wisdom that we would be able to go through suffering um, in a, in a way where we consider it joy. Father, I thank you because I believe that your Holy Spirit is working on us right now to bring about growth in our lives. And Father, I pray that you would, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would strengthen us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.